What time is it, kids? It's showtime, baby. You'll go wacko, bananas, nuts, crazy, unbelievable. This is the Bob and Jeff Show, starring Bob Lutz. I miss Duda. You know, that's the kind of son you want. I hear you loud and clear. In Jason Duda. For today, anyway. That's right. <laughs> gotcha. Thanks, Canada. I'll take it from here. 97.5 in 1240 KFH. It's going to be legend. Wait for it. And I hope you're not lactose intolerant because the second half of that word is dairy. Legendary. We are back. Hour number two, Bob and Jeff show here on KFH Radio. Bob Lutz and my prize son, Jason Duda. There you go. Finally. Joining the show today in the absence of Jeff, who will be here. Tomorrow with Jason Duda. It will be yours truly who's absent. The three-man booth coming up Thursday on the show. What a week. You know, I'm a uh, sucker for the hot stove. And this is kind of the first unofficial hot stove day in Major League Baseball. And, man, has it been cooking. Has it? Craig Council, of all places, is going to go manage the Cubs. The Cubs now. The Cubs. Uh, leaving Milwaukee to go to the Cubs, the right there. It's you have to be a base. Um, you know I'm a baseball guy through and through. I know this is uh, unforeseen. He grew up in Milwaukee, played high school baseball there, has managed the Brewers. He's going to their bitter division rivals, the Cubs, who did not have an opening that we knew of until announcing this afternoon that David Ross was out. And Craig Council in at $8 million a year over five years. Uh, by far the highest paid manager in the history of Major League Baseball. Doubled what the Brewers were offering him. So in that way, I guess you can't blame him. But man, David Ross, what must he be thinking? They just cut my knees out. I, I understand the move. And I hope the Cardinals are paying attention. Because the Cubs are obviously going to try to do a lot of big things this winter. Well, you would think so by doing this. Shohei comes to mind. There's no question in my mind that the Cubs will put together one of the most lucrative offers for Shohei Otani. Uh, you don't make this move for, the, for this manager unless you're all in. Well, you wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think paying them $8 million a and year. And what's all in? It's going after the biggest fish maybe yeah, in the history of the free agent market. the Cubs are going to need more than just Shohei. That's a pretty big fish. Oh, there's no doubt about it. It's a pretty big fish. But you gotta, you still got to surround them. Got to have something there. They had a pretty good team this year. Let's say they bring back Shohei and Cody Bellinger. Uh, maybe add a starting pitcher. Money's not an object. Well, obviously. This, these kinds of teams, they, they break down the barriers. Uh, so you add, you, add, you add Shohei, you bring back Bellinger, and you sign uh, Aaron Noah. Just throw that name out. Right. Uh, you've got a pretty good start. How much do you think Shohei is going to get? In these times right now, honestly, like, and and I'm asking because I mean I have ten years, four hundred million minimum. Because he's not going to pitch, not for this year, not this year for sure. But he's still a young man. He will. He wants to pitch. 
again. So, but he won't pitch this year. So I would say ten years, four hundred million to even get his attention. Right. Because if you're going to get him, you can get his bat and his pitching. I mean, how do you? You don't, you do don't you even get his attention until, unless it's uh, ten years. And you probably have to go more than four hundred million. You're probably looking at least half a billion to be in the argument with other teams that are going to be throwing it at him. How many teams out there? Is there enough? Like, I know there's enough, but how many the teams Dodgers, out the there Mets. will throw? That much, Adam. The is Dodger. There, it doesn't there, take many. It takes two. I know it takes two, but how many? How many well, can? You. How many can do it? Just those Dodgers, two. Dodgers, Mets, Mariners, uh, Cubs, Yankees, uh, Red Sox won't. They're not in a position where they would make that move at this point. But there's there's several, and my concern now is. I don't know if you know, but the Cardinals are in that division with the Cubs. I'm well aware. They're kind of big rivals. I, I do I do know that. Cardinals, we don't like the Cubs. And that I really Cubs know. don't like us. They made a big move today. The Cardinals are being pushed into a position where they've got to be, they've got to set beyond their comfort level. And they got to go out and get some people. And I don't, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they have, they have the, intestinal fortitude to make it happen. And if they don't, they're going to hear from me. Well, the thing is, is if they don't, and obviously, like you said, the Cubs are looking like they're going to be making some big moves, then St. Louis is going to be in trouble, not just for this coming year, but for the next few. you got to keep up. That's what I'm saying. So they have to go and do something. The Cardinals have always... As does everybody else in that division. The Cardinals have always made an effort to win. This year it didn't turn out well. But they've always made the effort to win. The Cubs have upped the ante on what winning means now in the National League Central. The days of thinking you could get to 90-91 wins and be in good shape, those are over. The Cubs are trying to win 100 games. Will the Cardinals try to win 100 behind them? That becomes the question. You got This is hardball, man. Well, yeah. This is what I love about baseball. I love this part of the, this time of the year. I, lo- I just love the whole essence of baseball, the wheeling and the dealing and maneuvering and hiring and uh, this kind of stuff. Just uh, it, it interests me beyond comparison. Well, I am I am interested to see where Shohei ends up, as I think just about everybody that watches sports, even if you're not a big baseball guy, as I am not. But I am curious to see where he lands. Like I'm curious to see where he lands. I don't know where he's going to go, and I'm curious to see how much it's going to take to get him somewhere. Like you said, 400 to be in the conversation? I don't think so. I think it's probably, like you said, probably going to be more than that. We'll see. I mean, um, We'll see. I'm not that ca- Shohei, whatever. Well, right that's because he's not going to go to St. Louis. Well, he, he may go to the Cubs, though. I know, but he's not going to St. Louis, so he's kind of. No, not. You want to know where he's going, but you don't care because he's not coming to St. Louis. But you don't want. I just don't want him to go to the Cubs, and I'd prefer he stay in the American League. Uh, But you know, a team like the Braves, we don't even talk about them being in the Shohei sweepstakes because their organization is already so solid that they don't need Shohei. 
they don't need Shohei Otani. Let that sink in. That's how good the Braves are. Uh, the Phillies probably wouldn't get into the Shohei sweepstakes. I would be surprised, even though they're a very good team. Houston, don't see them. Uh, there's a lot of good teams that probably would pass on Shohei Otani, but there's a lot of good teams that I, th I think I, I have trouble imagining him anywhere but L.A. as a Dodger. Is, it, is the injuries with him going to throw a little wrinkle into some teams no. when they're thinking about this? Just no? no. Because, you know, if you get Shohei, you're going to be making your money anyway? Shohei is a once-in-a-generation superstar. Well, that I can't argue. And uh, just the marketing of Shohei Otani in L.A. He's been in L.A., but he's been in Orange County. But to be in L.A. and to play for the Dodgers, uh, they wouldn't worry too much about this current arm injury. He'll be he'll he'll recover from that, and uh, he'll be pitching in 2025. He's a good player. There's no question about it. Anyway, baseball is always going to be. I'm checking my phone every minute now, just to see if something else has happened. Well, it's okay. You can check it during break, but if you feel better checking it all, yeah, the I'm time. not going to check it now. But I but I'm curious. Yeah, you are. Look at you. You're going at it right now. I'm I'm very curious about this Cubs move. You know, if I'm uh, David Ross, who their ownership had said at the end of the year, he's our guy. He's he's the guy that's going to win for us. Well, Jeff was hoping he was going to Cleveland. Uh, council? council. They hired uh, Stephen Vogt today. And Jeff's ecstatic about that, as you can imagine. He's convinced himself that Stephen Vogt, who's never managed a game in the big leagues, is Casey Stingle. Oh, Jeffrey. Why does he do that? I don't why, know. Why doesn't, he, why doesn't he take a more wait-and-see approach? He doesn't. That's just not the way he works. Not even close. It is. It's, it's too bad. Maybe Stephen Vogt will be great. Well, he I, might be. I, mean, I hope he is, but there's no way to know. But I'm guarantee, I guarantee you, too, they're not paying him $8 million a year. No. Not even close. $8 million a year to manage for Craig Council. That's a that, lot of dough for a manager. I can't stand him. Yo, you don't like him. Well, no. I was in Milwaukee, so that makes sense. Can't stand him. What's the, why do, why can't, what's the big deal? Why can't you stand him? Because he's trying to beat my team. That's so, why. So you can't stand him because he's trying to do his job. Yeah. Did you like that other coaches sense. in the Central Hockey League back in the day? Nope. Why? Well, actually, I didn't mind most of them except one. Which one? Doug Sauter, Oklahoma City. What's well, his nickname? I can't say it on the air. <laughs> oh, a bad one, huh? Oh, yeah, it's a bad one. Wow. It's, it's a bad one. Good coach, though. Well, he did well. Nobody liked him, but he did well. Why did he do well if nobody liked him? How does that well, happen? Oklahoma City, when they back in the Central Hockey League, they're at, when you're averaging 10,000 a night, it's a lot fun to go and play there. Oklahoma City was fun. I mean, I played there for a couple months. I was there. It was a, and I he was your city. coach. He was a coach. He brought did me he in. Did he cut you or trade you or what yeah, did you do? He called, I, he called me. He didn't even call me into the office. He just called me and said, yeah, I traded you to Wichita. Wow. Just told you on the ice? No, he called me in the morning. I was at home. On the I was phone. On the phone. Didn't even, wasn't even face-to-face. -face. 
Was didn't, there any conversation? So I didn't even. I couldn't get all my stuff. I had to wait and then go go to the rink to get my skates and get my stuff out of my stall. Did you say thanks and we appreciate? No, 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 just wow. Where's Saudi now? I don't know where he is. <laughs> Not but, his nickname, but that's the one I'm going to use. The uh, yeah. So then played against him for ten years. That's why I love playing Oak City because it was always. Did you ever a, have a word with him over there? Oh, more than a word. And I can't repeat those conversations either on the air because they weren't, they were not nice. Both ways, both ways, not nice. You two just didn't there was hit a couple, it off. There was a couple times. Well, I, I think I probably told this story before, but it was about a week before he traded me. We were playing Nashville at Oak City, full barn, 13,000 at the Myriad. It was the end of the first period. And uh, my defenseman beat me down to the net because it was right at the end of the period. Nothing happened. I mean, the puck was in the corner, but he beat me down there. So he, everyone goes off, and he calls me to the bench. He's standing on the bench. I'm standing on the ice, and he is laying into me. So long that I had to move for the Zamboni because it was cleaning the ice, and I was standing where the Zamboni was going. Wow. So I back off thinking I'm going in, and he goes, I'm not done with you yet. So he's still ripping me. We had about four guys come out because they're like, well, where's dudes? They thought maybe there was a fight, something had happened, and everybody was off the ice. And I walked into the room, and I still remember Steve Simone, who was our captain. I was sitting beside him. He goes just in one ear, out the other. And I was like, oh, what? I don't know. I was a rookie, right? I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And Sauter comes in, he walks into the dressing room, and he walks right over to me and puts his finger right in my face and says, where are you playing next week? I guess Wichita. <laughs> wow. And that's how that ended. And then Did I got, he play in the NHL, Sodder? No. 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 He played junior hockey. I don't know. I don't know how he ended up with that job. I'm not sure what what had happened. But so then, you know, it was as a player, you go back and, and we played Oklahoma City, obviously, if you follow the Wichita Thunder at all, when we used to play back then. Um, you play that you played those close teams ten, twelve times a year. Right, oh, travel yeah. and that sort of thing. So it was all always a chip on the shoulder every time. And I, I always had my best games against Oklahoma City, always. But yeah, there were some. We there was one time in Wichita. We were standing. They were walking off the ice, and he had said something. He'd said something to me as I was going off. So I skated over to him. We we're standing in front of the net as he was going off, and it was literally a three-minute breakdown of things I cannot repeat. Was he a tough guy? And Tyler Fleck was there, and he just did, didn't say anything. The refs were standing there. They just let us have at it. Was he a tough guy? Well, he wasn't a tough guy, but he always had tough teams. How'd he do it? Doesn't sound like anybody would want to play for him. Well, that's what you got from a lot of guys, but you were always treated pretty decent there. Guys were treated good there. They had a good setup there. So, I mean, it was worth going, but if you talk to a lot of the guys, they're like, if there's one thing they could change, I guarantee you that would have been it. But he won. He did, he did well. So, I mean, how are you going to do that? So that's, 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 my, too bad. that's I my one coach story. The other coaches, I got along with just about everybody else. When you said that, I started thinking about it and thinking about teams and even teams I didn't like. I had a lot of respect for their coaches, uh, got along with them. He's really the only guy. Hmm. So there you go. There's a little uh, old CHL. Sodder. Sudsy. <laughs> Sudsy. 
Now that well, that, we'll we'll go with Sudsy right now. I, yeah, I'll, you can I'll tell fill me. you in on the break. But you can tell me after the after we go to break. But as of now, I cannot say anything. No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't want to get you in any kind of. But you know, any the, kind of trouble. And the funny thing is, is that one of the last games, and I wasn't sure if I was going to play anymore. And Oklahoma City was going to be done at the end of the year, and we were playing in Oak City. It was the second last game of the year we played there, and he called me over to the bench, and we kind of had a you know what, it's over kind of thing. He gave me a, he gave me a hug and he's, really? he's like, you, you were the worst, worst, worst trade I ever made in my whole coaching career. Wow. So, you know, we obviously had mutual respect for each other, but just didn't like each other. <laughs> well, it ended okay then. <laughs> it, it, it ended just fine. That makes me, uh, that makes so, me happy. But uh, in all honesty, I enjoyed those 10 years that I played against them because of that. It was always, it was always, it didn't matter how I felt, if I was tired, if I had heavy legs, if I wasn't feeling good, always against Oak City, I was not going to miss it. You wanted to go. I wanted to go. All right, there you go, a little, uh, little rundown memory lane. There it is. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, college hoops again with C.J. Moore. He is one of the lead college basketball writers for The Athletic based out of Kansas City. We'll get his thoughts on the Wildcats, the Jayhawks, the Shockers, pretty much everybody in action tonight. Uh, I've got a thought about that that I want to bounce off CJ. He joins us next, Bob and Jeff, with Jason Duda, KFH. KFH. Here's C.J. Moore from The Athletic. We're going to talk college basketball. Let's delve right into college hoops. And I, I've got a little bit of a bone to pick, not with you, but, you know, this should be a, an extra special night when you get everybody playing and college basketball mm-hmm. kind of takes the center stage. But there's not enough really marquee games to make it that way. Why not? Because coaches are scared. They're, they're scared to lose early and, um, you know, they're scared their teams aren't ready, ready yet to, to play great competition. And, and I'm, I'm right with you, Bob. I, it sucks. Like we, we got opening night tonight and, um, I think the only good game is really, you know, the only game people really want to tune in to see probably is, is K-State and USC. So, you know, props to Jerome Tank for actually playing a decent opponent, but, um, like in, in an ideal world, I would take the scheduling away from the coaches and I would put somebody smart in charge of scheduling. And, um, you know, we'd have an opening night where, where you see at least some, some pretty marquee matchups. And, you know, we used to do it where um, basically the first night, if not the first or second night, was, was Champions Classic, which was a great way to cut off or to kick off the season. But, uh, you know, now they even move that back a week just to give those teams a, a couple of warm-up games be- before they play each other. What is the big deal about playing a tough team to start with that coaches are so scared of? I mean, you know, you you, you need to play good teams to know where you're at and that sort of thing. And, and like you guys were saying, it sure be a lot of fun tonight if there was a game on at 6 and 8 and 9 that everybody wants to tune into. But like you said, there's only the game at 9 o'clock that people are have any interest in watching. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, so coaches are at least – willing to and one one good thing i think about like these charity exhibition exhibition games that, that happen 
um, this year and have the last couple of years is, is they, they will actually play somebody of um, that's decent in, in those contests that don't count. So they can kind of get an idea of, of where they are. But um, a lot of times I think they just kind of look at it as a slow build and, and you got to, um, you know, build up to the point where you're ready to play those, those good teams. And um, at the high major level, um, you know, what your net is and, and, uh, you know, what your record is and, and just trying to make the NSA tournament is, is the biggest thing for all of those guys to try to keep their jobs. And, you know, even playing a decent mid-major, like they don't want the embarrassment of that um, potential loss early in the year. So um, I, I just think it leads to, to just coaches being scared and scheduling that way. Let's start with Kansas. Uh, pretty much everybody believes Kansas is – uh, the best team in the country, at least starting the season. Um, mm-hmm. What makes this team as good as it is? Uh, is it uh, is it just the fact that they roll out a starting five unlike any others? They've got so much balance. They can defend. They can score. They've got ball handlers. They've got shooters. Uh, where is there a potential pratfall on this Kansas team? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that while they're all their preseason number one on everybody's um, preseason list, just because of of the experience they return, and you know, guys who have done it at a high level um, in, in, in actual college games, I, I do think there's you know there should be some concern with how it'll all fit together. If you watch the Illinois game, um, or even heck the, the Fort Hayes State game the other night, like they didn't look like the number one team in the country. They even lost to Illinois in that that exhibition game. Um, and I, I think that the two big concerns are, are three point shooting. Like if you look at all their their games uh, the summer from the summer, and then the you know the two they played that didn't count so far. Um, I think they're shooting somewhere in the twenties and three point percentage. And then the other thing is depth. I think by you know guy going out and getting a Hunter Dickinson, it kind of scared there are other decent inside guys away. So they don't have much depth in the interior. Um, and then, you know, losing Arterio Morris um, in the, in the preseason who was, who was booted from the team. Um, that's, that's really hurt the perimeter depth. So I, you know, I think they only have probably, uh, you know, in, in a given year, like the guys that Bill Self would actually want to play on most of his team, it's probably like around six or seven. Um, so if they have an injury, um, or anything like that, I, I think that could be a concern for them because they're going to rely a lot on those those five starters. Well, let's uh, go to K-State. I'm, Jerome Tang's made a huge impact as far as I'm concerned. I really like this guy. Where do you see K-State this year? Um, I think it's, it's one of those years where you, you want to just try to get to an NCAA tournament. I know, you know, I, I went to Manhattan and and I know that, that Tang's uh, dreaming a little bigger and, you know, he's talking about Final Fours and National Championships. But I think a successful year two um, is just getting back to the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, I don't think the – like last year they had two stars. You knew who they were going to go to. Um, it, you know, after the beginning of the season, like once we got to the Big 12 season, we knew those two guys were really, really good. Um, this year, you know, they don't – you don't not, not sure who the stars are going to be on the team. Um, who will be those those go-to guys? I think they have better balance. I think they have better depth. Um, but I don't, I'm not sure they're quite as good a team. We'll, we'll see. I, I'm going to be very interested to to, to watch them tonight. Um, but they did build. You know, they they are doing pretty well in recruiting and, and 
got some high-level transfers. Tyler Perry was really, really high up on our transfer list. Um, Arthur Kaluma, same from, from Creighton. So they've got some dudes. We'll just see how they come together. I'm, I'm worried about their uh, their point guard play, I think, is, is probably my biggest concern going into the year. C.J. Moore uh, with us from The Athletic. He's taught his dog to bark in rhythm. Uh, that's pretty impressive, CJ. She she doesn't like daylight savings time. She she's used to eating at four, and she says, "You know, it's time, Dad. It's like we're thirty minutes past four. Uh, so we always enjoy your work in the athletic. You've recently uh, written about uh, breakout stars in college basketball. So give us two or three names of guys that maybe we're not thinking about uh, right now. Uh, but in a month or so, we'll we'll take notice. Oh yeah, man. Um, well, in Big Twelve country, um, you've got uh, my my Milos Uzan from uh, Oklahoma, and hopefully I'm saying his name right. They, they pay me to write, not to speak, right? Uh, he, he's one in, in in Big Twelve country that I think is going to be um, have a really really good year. He's a guy that you know some NBA people are, are interested in and he shot it really well last year. I think they'll put the ball in one of his hands with um, uh, Sheffield or Sherfield, Grant Sherfield named which a lot of people are familiar with, you know, he was with Oklahoma last year and kind of dominated the ball. He's gone now. Um, so I think Uzan will have a, have a good year. Um, some other guys on that list, man, my, I'm, I'm writing a Grant McCaslin feature. So like all my brain power is, uh, is, is going towards that. Let well, me, you, you let, mentioned that uh, one you mentioned up, was Ernest Uday. <laughs> you mentioned yeah. Ernest Uday, who obviously is familiar to us. He's now at TCU. Uh, KU will probably, uh, rue the day that he left. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they could. I, I mean, watching defensively early on, you'll probably think, well, they probably could have used the, his shot blocking and, and the way he, he was able to steal the ball as a big guy. Um, I think he, he'll fit in well at, at TCU. They, last year they played really fast. Um, he's a type of guy who, you know, is ideal in an in a up-tempo system. So I think he's got a shot. We'll see. Um, you know, I'm kind of hearing – from from people who have been through their NBA scouts saying, you know, he's pretty similar to what he was last year. He, he maybe hasn't improved in some of his deficiencies, but I do think he will um, he will do well in that system. Um, another name that you know to watch at Champions Classic, Tyrese Proctor, um, Duke guard, who's who's from Australia. He's really 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 talented. I think he'll be a guy that has potential to be like a all-American type this year who, um, you know, was just kind of so-so as a freshman. He kind of started slow and, and, and picked it up late in the year. Um, and then another one I really like, uh, Desmond Klaab at uh, Xavier. Um, I think Xavier plays somebody decent here this week. So that'll be one of those games that you can actually tune in and, and hope to actually see a decent game. Well, uh, give us a breakdown of some of the teams that you think are going to be near the final four come the end of the year. Good luck predicting that, huh? <laughs> you got it tough, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you could put a long list of teams that have a chance. Um, some that I'm a little higher on than others. So I'll, I'll go with that. I'm Marquette. I really really like what Marquette returns. Um, basically, lost just one player from its rotation that that was good last year, um, and Olivier Maxis Prosper. Um, he went on to the NBA and was a first round draft pick, but, you know, in his spot is, uh, 
David Joplin, who's an actually better offensive player. They were awesome, awesome offense last year, led by Tyler Kolick, their point guard. So, um, you know, remember they, they won the Big East last year, and then our national champions came from the Big East in Connecticut. So they beat Connecticut twice last season. Um, I think Marquette's going to be really, really good. I'm also pretty high on Illinois, who, you know, Kansas fans have already seen um, KU lose to the Illini. I think that's a team that's probably better than its 25 ranking um, has a lot of big wings that can handle it and pass and score. Um, they've got a, uh, a a transfer wing in there that'll that'll help. And then Terrence Shannon is this. He was he was kind of streaky last year, but man, when he's when he's good, he's about as good as anybody in the country. Um, so those are and then Tennessee is another team that I'm I'm pretty high on. Um, you know, Rick Barnes has has been doing it really really well for a few years. In Knoxville, and their defense is awesome. I think their defense will be really, really good again. Um, they've just got some, you know, Kansas has depth problems, but but Tennessee doesn't. And um, they beat Michigan State in, uh, at Michigan State in the scrimmage or in the exhibition scrimmage the other day, and um, they're doing that without Zakai Siegler, their their point guard, who um, will you know come back like middle of the year. So I think that's a team that that by the end of it will be really, really good. Final moment here with C.J. Moore from the Athletic uh, College Basketball Senior Rider. So two questions, uh, two parts, one question. Florida Atlantic, they're ranked 10th in the season. They were obviously uh, very much of a surprise team last year getting to the Final Four. Are they ranked in about the right place in the preseason? And then my second part of the question is, I guess Duke's not going away uh, without Coach K, huh? <laughs> uh well I'll start with with FAU. I, I I do think they should be ranked pretty high just not just based on the the run at the end but I mean they were really good all year. I mean they went 35 and 4. Um they only graduated one player that was part of their rotation, Michael Forrest, uh, who came off the bench. So all five starters are back. Um you know, Dusty May I think is not like you talk to coaches around college basketball now and they're like so you know or guys that were in his league like you know i was just with grant mccaslin for instance like um the, his staff is like we knew dusty was really really good like it took everybody else kind of seeing this run to see it but um he was a guy that like they would you know study what he did against other teams just to kind of see all right this is maybe how we want to play but you know that he was he was respected at that level so i think dusty's a really really good coach and I do know I was, I was talking to them recently. I think they've got some injuries and um, you know, I, I don't know that preseason wise they're looking as sharp as, as they will care coming a couple months and they might take some, some losses early. I wouldn't be shocked if they did, but, but I still think they'll have a pretty darn good year. And then the, the Duke question. Yeah. I mean, um, John Shire is recruiting just as well, if not better than when coach Gay was around, like they're just stacking number one class after number one class. Um, they're getting pros. Um, I think he was – he's looking like – you know, I, I don't love the uh, just hire the guy in the family hires usually. I don't think they always work out. I think you should – when you're a school like Duke or Kansas or Indiana, um, North Carolina, you should look at the whole pool of coaches that cause college basketball and try to hire the best guy. But I, I do think Duke it's, – it's, it might work out pretty well for them and John Shire. Like he's – I think he was part of – the reason they were getting a lot of really, really good players at Duke, and he's kept that going. And, um, yeah, I expect them to have a pretty good year. 
CJ, we really appreciate it. You do great work for The Athletic. Thanks for being on our show. Thanks for asking me. Take care, guys. CJ Moore, college basketball. It is that time. This show has centered on college basketball. Looks like today. it. Looks like it. Football going on, hot stove, hockey. We've we've covered it all. It's, it's all here. It's all right here. 869-1240, a few minutes left in the show. Shocker women go down to Norman today. Very encouraging first half. They led at halftime. And then the third quarter happened. OU shot the lights out. Uh, really zipped by the Shocker women. Ended up winning 92-68 to uh, at the Lloyd Noble Center this afternoon. Wichita State's opener, as it was for Oklahoma. So I guess if you're Terry Nooner, you think, we got to f- figure out how to play like that first half. And not that third quarter. They were outscored 35-11. to 11 That'll do it to you. In that quarter. That'll do it. That's Erased tough. a six-point halftime lead and uh, didn't go well. No, but it's early. Give them some time. Give Gotta girls, have time. Give the girls some time. I like, I like Terry Nooner. I uh, like what he has to say. I like their recruiting approach. None of this is going to get resolved early. Of course not. Uh, and and if you're expecting the Shocker men to go out and just look like world beaters tonight. Don't. It's not going to happen. Uh, Paul Mills is in the process of building a program that will stand the test of time. And I give him a pretty fair chance of being able to do that. But it's going to take a little bit. He's got to get his type of system installed. And uh, and then you need the players for that system as well. Although I know he's recruiting and stuff this year, but you got you got to give him a year or two to. No, you gotta and, you gotta have. But Bob, don't you think that one of the biggest problems now, especially in college sports and college basketball, is that you know a guy like Paul Mills comes in here. He's trying to turn things around. He's trying to get things to where obviously everybody wants to be. But at the end of the year, he could have half his team jump into the portal. How, how do you yeah, how do you build a team here's now? What I, here's how I view the portal. You take it on an individual year. Just because guys are leaving through the portal doesn't mean you don't got, have guys coming through the portal. And to me, that's how you got to look at this. This is the day and age we're in. So you better make a net gain in the portal, right? Right. Uh, if you make a net gain in the portal, who cares where they come from? Right, but do you think like a team like Wichita State if you have a couple really good players that want to go play in the Power Five, they leave. How are you going to replace those guys? Because then you better find a couple guys that are really good players who want to come and play in just below the Power Five. Right, but that's not easy. It's not easy anyway. You're losing. You're losing a couple of your best players, and then you got to go and hope you can maybe you try lose, to find a you couple. You lose guys. your best players every year. It does it well, can you be do. through the portal. It can be through graduation. Absolutely. It can but, be through. But if you're trying to build something, you bring kids in that are junior, uh, sophomores or freshmen, and then you lose them right away, that's tough to replace that. Yeah, you do, You know what? You deal with it. Well, you have to deal with it. You don't have a choice. It, 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 but guys, what I'm saying, it makes it a lot more difficult to build a program. Guys like that. that are sitting around like you right now in their offices whining about it, grabbing a piece of cheese and whatever. Uh, oh, be careful. <laughs> Then, At the end of the show, and we're going to start this now. The guy, those kinds of guys, might as well go into used car sales. If well, I feel like half these coaches have to be a used car salesman. Right. You, you basically, that's what you're doing. 
That's You've, that's not easy. No, it's not easy. But this is a world in which they're uh, operating now. That it is. And uh, I don't. I'm not saying I'm a big proponent of it. Oh, I don't like but it. But you gotta you gotta be able to adjust. And if you lose a couple guys, you better know who you're gonna get. It's everywhere. It's not just Wichita State. It's everywhere. I understand that. I understand that. But it's not easy. It makes it more difficult. Well, it's not. It's, it's never been easy. It's more difficult for the programs. It's more difficult for the fan All bases. All it is is another facet of recruiting. Is it another facet of recruiting or free agency? It's recruiting. You you, do you recruit free agents? You do. This is all about. In, I don't like it. Enticing. That's fine. You can you can try to make it sound like oh it's no big deal. No, yeah, I don't well, like it. Here's what I I'd don't tell like you. It. Here's what I'd tell well, you. Well, tell me. Go get a job at Mel Hamilton Ford. Uh, Why? Because you can't cut it here. I you, you can't you can't coach at this level. Well, so am I fired? Yes. Sweet. Jeff, get somebody for tomorrow. <laughs> well, you're not fired from the show. You're, oh, oh. But if you were. Fired from what? You're fired from coaching. Well, if it would be totally different if I was in the coaching aspect. And I'm not saying it's not difficult. I'm saying I don't like it. It's tough. If you want to build a program like they used to, you go get, you go get high school kids. You have them for four years. You build the program like that. I get it's changed. I get it. I really get it. I understand that. I understand kids want NIL money. Do I think that they should be getting stuff? I do. But well, from giving them a, a more... program standpoint, it's really difficult, especially for mid-majors, to build a program and to keep that going because you're going to lose all your good players. Well, up. then you go get some players from the smaller majors. I mean, and the this is like a farm system now. It is. Uh, it, you better, it is. And you better keep feeding yourself good players. There's a lot of good players out there. Of course. Um, they're not all at the Power Five conferences. And uh, you just build a program. Oh, you make Wichita it. State's got the potential to have one of the best non-Power Five programs in the country. True. And there's no reason why they can't meet that potential, even with the transfer portal. Even with NIL money, I guarantee you Paul Mills isn't sitting over there at, at 21st and Hillside the way you're sitting here today going, <laughs> I can't do it. It's so hard. Never said, never said that. You, now, now you're just turning things around like you love to do. It's difficult. It's hard for the programs, for the schools, because you don't keep all these guys that you think you're going to have for three or four years. It's difficult. It's way more difficult than it was. And, it just, and you just think, well, I'll just get a couple more guys out of the portal. That, we've seen how the portals work for WSU the last few years. It's been awful. It hasn't been awful. It hasn't been very good, Bob. They got Jake good? I mean, you get you get players. And how and has how's that translated? I hope that uh, that Rogers is a very fine player. Uh, Colby Rogers out of Siena. Well, of course we hope uh, they're going to be Xavier Bell good. came here from Drexel. Uh, you got you got to get play. You got to keep working it, man. Uh, you, you don't have you. What you don't have time to do is sit around like you are right now, and just lamenting it, <laughs> and practically, <laughs> practically crying about it. Oh my gosh! Well, one day you'll you'll see the point, I guess. But it, it doesn't. Well, matter. I, try uh, this yeah. out on Jeff tomorrow and see I what will. happens. I will, and he'll agree with me because he's he's kind of smart when it comes to that. Really, he'll yeah, agree well, with I, it. I'll bring it up. We'll chat. I'll see what he says. If he's if he's gonna go.
go off like you did and turn it around and make it sound like it's no big deal and it's a lot easier. I'm not saying it's not a big it's, deal, but you better be ready. When it comes to building the program, it makes it way more difficult. I don't agree. Well, you're wrong. That's good. I don't At agree. At the end of the show, you're finally wrong today. Uh, I had a great show. Yeah, oh, 100 yeah. for 100 on my points. The guy's unbelievable. Jason Duda, 63. That's not bad for me. No, I'm, not I bad. That's 50, a high 50. D. I usually run 50-50, so I'm good. It'll be Duda and Jeff tomorrow. I will be back here Wednesday. Have a good evening.